Before we share the Lord's Supper together this morning as the people of God, I would like you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul writes, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, our first point this morning is the book of Ephesians. This morning, we begin a new expositional sermon series in the book of Ephesians. Now, let me make a couple of comments before I go on this morning. We're going to get into this study in earnest on Sunday morning, January 28th, and that's because next Sunday morning, next Sunday morning, we will have the Gideons International with us and Bruce Chadwick, uh, who has spoken here before, will be delivering the morning sermon for us, and uh, Bruce always does a great job, and so the whole service next Sunday morning will be centered on the power of the Word of God and how God uses those little New Testaments all around the world, and we have had a long and wonderful partnership with the Gideons. And don't forget that at the end of the service next Sunday morning, we will be taking a special offering, a second offering, uh, just for the Gideons International. Then on Sunday morning, so that's next Sunday, then on Sunday morning, January 21st, we will be joining with churches all over the nation in celebrating the sanctity of human life. We think that's very important to do each year as a church. And on that Sunday morning, Pastor Ron will be preaching. But this morning, I simply want to introduce to you the book of Ephesians and to let you know that we will be working through the book just as it is written. We believe as a church that not only are the words of a book inspired by God, but the arrangements of the words are inspired by God. From the first chapter of Ephesians to the last chapter of Ephesians, chapters 1 through 6, from the beginning to the end, we believe that the arrangement of Paul's logic, the, reason of his, uh, the reasoning in his argument as he lays out this epistle, this letter, is divinely inspired by God, and that is how I will seek to preach through it, just as it is written. The book of Ephesians was written sometime between A.D. 60 and 62. The author is clearly identified as the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote the book of Ephesians from prison, from a prison in Rome. It is one of what are known as the four prison epistles which he wrote from Rome along with Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon. It says to God's holy people in Ephesus, however, John MacArthur in his commentary on the book of Ephesians points out that many scholars think that this letter was an encyclical intended to be circulated among all the churches in Asia Minor. In fact, in some of the earliest manuscripts, the little phrase in Ephesus is not there. So, but it is believed that it was first read, this letter was first read at the church in Ephesus and became strongly associated with it and therefore became known as the letter to or the book of Ephesians. 
And so it is different, for example, than 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is clearly written to a specific lo local church in Corinth, uh, addressing particular people and particular problems. Not necessarily so with the book of Ephesus, not just meant for those in that church, but for all the churches in Asia Minor. The book of Ephesians follows what is known as a classic pattern for the Apostle Paul or what is known as Pauline theology. And that is the first three chapters of Ephesians are theological and doctrinal. And the last three chapters are instructions on living out these eternal truths. That is classic Apostle Paul. He lays the doctrine, then the behavior, the theology, than the practice, although sometimes I'm a little hesitant in using those kinds of terms because I believe that everything we believe and how we live out those truths is all doctrinal, it is all theological. However, this is helpful in understanding one of Paul's books like the book of Ephesians. So the first three chapters are laying the theological doctrinal foundation. The last three chapters are how you live out those truths in everyday life. So in the first three chapters of the letter, Paul discusses the creation of a holy community. A holy community that he describes as the church, which is a mystery in the sense that the church is to include not just Jews, but also Gentiles. This profound truth that had to like uh, just knock people over when they first heard this and first read about it, not just Jews, but also Gentiles. And this entire commun holy community, this church, would be based on God's grace, uh, founded on the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the members of this community, this church, this church of God, have been chosen by God through the work of Christ, adopted as sons and daughters of God and brought near to the Father through faith in his Son. And all of these people of faith, all of these people, both Jews and Gentiles originally were dead. They were spiritually dead in transgressions and sins but have been made alive because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so after laying this rich, amazing theological doctrinal foundation. The, the Apostle Paul then turns in the last half of the book and makes his purpose clear. He expected that this church, which we are a part of, would walk in accordance with their heavenly calling. And one of the pivotal verses in all of the book of Ephesians is Ephesians chapter 4 1 it is the transitional verse from the first half to the second half where Paul says I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called and that's it that's Paul's uh, purpose that's his goal is that all of us would walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. And as a result of these rich theological truths, we are to live out who we are every single day. And oh, those practical applications in the last half of Ephesians hit every aspect of life. As a church, 
We are called to maintain the unity of the Spirit. That is our calling, to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We are called to put off the old man and to put on the new man. There is a great section, as you know, on the relationship between a husband and a wife, then between parents and children, then between an employer and an employee, then it ends with that great section on putting on the armor of God and our daily engagement in spiritual warfare. So that's a quick overview of what the book of Ephesians is about. Our second point this morning is God's holy people. And I want to look at this introduction in these first two verses. Paul writes Ephesians with the authority of an apostle. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now, the word apostle, as used in the New Testament, can be used in a general sense and in a technical sense. And the differentiation between the two uses of the same word is important for us as Bible students. Generally, an apostle is anyone who is sent out or is a messenger, a messenger of God. But in the technical sense, an apostle is one of the 12 apostles plus the apostle Paul. Those men who were sovereignly chosen by God to be the ones who lay the foundation of the church. It is those men, in the technical sense, the apostles, who received, taught, and wrote most of God's final revelation in what we now today call the New Testament. Once the 12 apostles and the apostle Paul died, the technical office of apostles ceased to exist. It existed by the sovereign work of God for the establishment of the church and for the finishing of what we call the biblical canon or the New Testament. And Paul wants us to know. He wants you to know as the readers and students of the book of Ephesians that Paul was an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. By the will of God. Now, Paul was an extremely intelligent person. He was a Pharisee. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, as he describes himself. He was taught in the best of rabbinical schools under Gamaliel. That's who he was mentored by. But none of those things are the basis of his authority. None of those things. His authority comes from the fact that he is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. His authority comes from the fact that God sovereignly chose Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, to be one of the apostles. And I want you to notice as students of the Bible this morning that Paul establishes his divine authority in the very first verse of the letter. This is no mistake. It's not just a coincidence. He, at the very beginning, establishes his authority to write these words. And Paul writes this letter to God's holy people in Ephesus. And as I mentioned earlier, we're not sure whether the term in Ephesus 
should or shouldn't be there. It's in most manuscripts, and, and it is there, but wasn't included in some of the earliest manuscripts. So it, and the reason I simply, the reason I point that out is because this is written to God's holy people. Not just in Ephesus, but to all of us. And as we meet together on this first Sunday of January 2018, we are God's holy people. And this letter is, in a very real sense, written to us. And we are holy. Here's why we are holy. We are holy because we have been set apart and made holy through the perfect righteousness of Christ that became ours at the time that we were saved, at the point of our salvation. We really didn't have anything to do with it. We didn't make ourselves holy. God made us holy. When we trusted in Christ alone for our salvation, in his death, burial, and resurrection, and his accomplished work on the cross, God made us holy. And let us stand in awe again this morning that we are called the holy people of God. We are righteous in the sight of God because of our Lord Jesus Christ. To God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So we are God's holy people and we are the faithful in Christ Jesus. It's two sides of the same coin. One is the divine side. We are the holy people. But the human side is we are the faithful people in Christ Jesus. If you truly know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. If you've been genuinely born again, you will persevere in your faith until the very end. You are, you are the faithful people in Christ Jesus. And then Paul says, which is a very common greeting in many of his letters, he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace here as we've gone over so many times, refers to the unmerited, undeserved favor and kindness of God towards undeserving sinful men and women because of their new position in Christ Jesus, because they are holy and because they are faithful. And he says peace. Peace is the equivalent of the Old Testament shalom. It means to wish someone spiritual wellness and completeness. I wish to you, when I say shalom or I say peace, I am asking God to help you to know the fullness of who you are in Christ Jesus and to live that out every day of your life. And so he says, grace and peace to you. This wasn't some just casual greeting. It wasn't like, have a nice day, hope you have a good day. It wasn't like that. It was so much more than that. To say to someone, grace to you. And by the way, that's, some of you may know the name of John MacArthur's radio and print ministry, grace to you, because it's so significant. If I say to you or you say to me, grace to you, you are saying, I acknowledge that we are who we are and we have what we have all because of Christ. I am born again, you are born again, all because of the grace of God. We don't deserve this. We didn't earn this. But he has showered us and poured out upon us his grace 
And so I say, grace to you. Grace and peace to you. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Paul tends to use this, what is known as the double authority or the dual authority. It isn't some tricky phrasing. It simply means that all we have, we have from God the Father and from his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul is about to explain to the church at Ephesus and to all the believers in Asia Minor, he is about to tell them of all the glorious riches that, that are theirs in Christ. And he wants them to know it comes, it comes from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As we share the Lord's Supper together this morning, let us be reminded, let us be so humbled and thankful that we are the holy people of God. We are holy and we are righteous all because of Calvary and all because of the cross. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.